And Lord, that as the seed, as just as we talked about on Sunday, touches the soil of our hearts, I pray that our hearts would be like fertile soil tonight. Taking in the seed of the word and it take root there and produce fruit in our lives. That just as Jesus cried out to the crowd, he has an ear, let him hear. That that would take place even tonight in this place as we go through these Proverbs. Because you desire for us to live in wisdom, to know wisdom, and to be blessed because we are taking heed to what your word declares to us. So I do pray that you bless the kids that are upstairs and the kids that are downstairs. And everyone that's in this place and listening on live stream, that, Lord, that you would just, um, Lord, bless us and teach us as we go through the word of God. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So keep in mind, as, as Solomon is writing the book of Proverbs, as he's inspired by the Spirit of God. Now, chapter 10, when we got into it last week, that really began the Proverbs of Solomon. That's how the chapter starts out. And Every verse is a single thought as we go through it. So Proverbs doesn't flow, you know, real smooth. Um, It'll be talking one verse about how we speak and the next verse about how we do business and the next verse about um, our behavior and then the next verse something different. But as we go through this, one of the distinctions that we're going to see, particularly in chapter 10 and chapter 11, is a distinction between the wicked and the righteous. How the wicked, the consequences that will take place in their lives, and then the righteous, those who are doing rightly, those who are desiring to take this wisdom and and not only know it in your head, but have it in your heart to where it's worked out in your life. And as you walk in wisdom, the benefits and blessings that come from it. So as we go through it, we're, we're going to look at it. And, and again, there isn't a real smooth transition from verse to verse at times. And, and some of these verses are pretty self-explanatory. I don't need to comment on a lot of it. But as we go through, we're just going to see and learn and continue to, to go through these Proverbs that are going to help us in our lives and help us in our Christian behavior and speech and faith and purity and, and, and conduct and character. And you see, that's very important for us to consider as we go through this. You can never exhaust a book of Proverbs, can you? And I know for some of you in your own devotions, part of your reading schedule is to read a Proverbs, a chapter every day, depending on the day of the month. And for example, in 31 chapters, the month of August, 31 days. So today is the 24th. So you read Proverbs chapter 24. And that's a good way to keep that in your schedule uh, as you go through Proverbs. But I have read it over and over and over again. And every time I read it, I think, oh yeah, I got to get that down. I got to remember that. I got to mark this one down. Oh, you know, Lord, help me to remember these things. So that's the wonderful thing about Proverbs is we can continually be learning it. And keep in mind that as Solomon, inspired by the Spirit of God, writes the book of Proverbs, Solomon, of course, known for his wisdom, wasn't he? It's interesting, in Matthew chapter 12, just about chronologically the same time, Jesus ministering in the Galilee region that we're reading about as uh, we see in chapter 8 of Luke, about that same time, the religious leaders in Matthew chapter 12 come to Jesus and they ask for a sign. We want to see a sign. They wanted to see something spectacular. And I find it interesting that they asked for a sign uh, when Jesus had been healing every kind of sickness and disease. And you want a sign? 
You know, here he'd been doing all kinds of miracles. But what they were looking for is something spectacular. They were looking for, you know, him to part the Sea of Galilee or fire that came down from heaven. And Jesus said, you're a perverse generation. And no sign's going to be given to you except for the sign of Jonah. Just as Jonah was three days and three nights in uh, the belly of a large fish, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. You want a sign? Here's the sign to not only this generation, but every generation. And that is the sign of my resurrection. I'm going to die. I'm going to be put into the, you know, the tomb, and I'm going to rise again after three days. But then Jesus continued to speak to them, and he, he talked about how you know, the Queen of Sheba came to hear the wisdom of Solomon, and he would say to them that a greater than Solomon is here amongst you. Because you see, Solomon, he had the wisdom of God. Jesus is the wisdom of God. And remember that Colossians chapter 2 declares to us that in him, in Jesus, is all the treasures of, of knowledge and wisdom. All the godly knowledge and wisdom that you and I need is found in him. It comes from him. It's all fulfilled by him. So he is our wisdom. And we, as we go through this, Solomon giving us wisdom, how it is that we can honor the Lord, how we can walk in that way that will benefit us and bless us in life. So here we read in chapter 11, verse 1, that dishonest, dishonest scales are an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. So God desires for us to live righteous in a right way in all areas of life, and that includes doing business. So when we do business with others, we are to be fair. We are to be ones that we're not being dishonest in any way. And you might be thinking, well, I don't have a business. I don't do business with others. Well, I think that uh, even to the smallest detail, that the Lord desires for us to deal with others honestly. For example, that kid down the street comes and he mows your lawn. And as he's working in, you know, your yard and, and pulling weeds and mowing and, and trimming and all this, he works all morning. You think, well, he's just a kid. I can kind of just give him a couple bucks. I got some change, you know, in my pocket. We don't want to do that. That's not dealing with them fairly. So even in the smallest manners that the Lord desires for us to, you know, be ones that we deal with others fairly. And, and he continues here in verse 2, when pride comes, then comes shame. But with the humble is wisdom. So it's interesting that pride, and as you go through the scriptures, from Genesis to Revelation, pride is never, never seen in a positive way. Matter of fact, it's always seen in a very negative way. And it's interesting here in Proverbs chapter 11 that pride is associated with shame. So he says, with pride comes shame. And, and to be wise means to walk with uprightness of heart, with real integrity. And that's what he's going to continue to talk about in verse 3. The integrity of the upright will guide them, but the perversity of the unfaithful will destroy them. So everyone is going to be guided by something or someone. And if you are guided by perversity, it's going to end up destroying you. You know, we live in a culture and we live in a society. We're living in a nation that has given itself over to perversity more and more. That which is wicked, that which is evil, that which is dark. And we're seeing that slowly, you know, uh, the destruction has taken place in the lives of people, in families. Uh, that's taken place in, in different areas of our society. Because God's word is true. 
And perversity will be destruction, but God will guide us in the right way as we come to him. Listen, with integrity, he's using that word in uprightness, uprightness of heart. In other words, you and I, as we come to God's word, even tonight, as we gather on Sunday mornings, as you have your own devotions, and I pray that you are having your own devotions where you're reading your Bible every single day. And as you open up the Word of God, as you have Bible study, listen to Bible study, that you have integrity in your heart and uprightness in your heart to where you say, Lord, I'm going to hear your Word. And just as Jesus cried out, he who has near, let him hear. He's gonna, we're going to see this week say, take heed on how you hear. How is it that we hear with integrity and uprightness of heart? In other words, you can go and you can read the Bible or you can go and and receive counsel from Christians. And perhaps you have faced this as people have come to you and and they said, you know, what is God's word? And, And I just need some counsel, some wisdom. I've certainly gone through it. And you tell them from God's word what it declares concerning their situation or their circumstance. And oftentimes, sometimes, that they will dismiss it. Well, I don't know if that's for me. I don't know if, if I can do that. I kind of got another plan. And they may not express that, but that's what's in their heart. And we need to make sure that when we come to the word of God, that we are coming with uprightness of heart and integrity of heart, humbled before the Lord. You see, pride brings shame. And if we come in a prideful kind of way, if I know what's best for me and I'm going to lean on my own understanding, I'm, I'm going to do what is right in my own eyes, it's going to bring shame and difficulty. But if we humble ourselves, and it really takes a heart that is humble before the Lord, that is teachable and soft before the Lord, saying, Lord, whatever your word declares to me, help me to take heed to that. And as you and I do, we're going to be established is what's going to take place. And as he's going to continue to say, verse 4, riches do not profit in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers from death. So what good is it, Jesus said, if you gain the whole world, but you lose your own soul? Riches don't profit in the day of wrath. Because we know that the riches of the world are going to go away. And so we are rich as we are rich in Christ. And and we need to keep that in mind. I pray for us and that we would teach our children this. That we would never envy those that we look at in the world. Because you know our society. You know what uh, social media does. What TV does. um, Is they'll elevate you know, the one who has fame and prestige and, you know, who has uh, popularity, who has, you know, you know, famous movie stars and, and musicians and, you know, even athletes and things like that. And our young people, any of us can look at them and, and envy them. Seems like they have everything. They have all the riches and fame. But what good is it if they don't have Jesus? What good is it if you gain the whole world, Jesus said, but lose your own soul? So we need to always keep an eternal spiritual perspective on things. That riches don't profit on the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers from death. In verse 5, the righteousness of the blameless will direct his way aright, but the wicked will fall by his own wickedness. In verse 6, the righteousness of the upright will deliver them, but the unfaithful will be caught by their lust. 
And when a wicked man dies, his expectation will perish, and the hope of the unjust perishes. So here, basically, you're going to reap what you sow. A spiritual law that we have in the book of Galatians, right? You're going to reap what you sow. Don't be deceived. And and you do what you know to be right. That's what verse 5 is telling us. And as we study God's word, we're going to know what is right. The righteous of the blameless will direct his way aright. You know, here's the thing to remember. That it's not right to do wrong to do right. Okay? The world's going to come along and say, this is what you do in this situation. You're to be vengeful. You're to get back. Don't be forgiven, that person. You know, this is what you do. It's okay if you cheat them a little bit, have dishonest scales. You know, you're going to get ahead. It's not right to do wrong to do right. In other words, it's not right to do wrong so you can get ahead, to do what is right in the world's eyes. We need to always let the Lord determine how it is that you and I react in every situation. Not to react out of the flesh, not to lean on our own understanding, not to to react out of what we think is right in our own eyes. But Lord, help me to do what is right. And it takes knowing the word of God to give us wisdom and direct us in every area of our lives. So do what you know is right. And then the hope of the unjust, there is no hope that they have. And then verse 8 tells us that the righteous is delivered from trouble and it comes to the wicked instead. That reminds me so much of Daniel. Daniel, who lived in godly wisdom and integrity, he determined as a young teenager taken off into captivity in Babylon in Daniel chapter 1 not to allow his heart to be defiled. I'm not going to eat of the king's meat. I'm not going to drink of the king's wine. So Daniel chapter 1 is he goes off and then he lives in, you know, in captivity till he's an elderly man. Even when the, the Babylonian empire you know, falls to the Medo-Persians, he is the second in command, one of the leaders there, one of the three top leaders, it tells us. But even in that, I think that he was Darius' right-hand man in the Medo-Persian Empire. And the other leaders, they were jealous of Daniel. It tells us that Daniel had an excellent spirit within him. The spirit that was in Daniel is the same spirit that is in you and me as believers. And what I pray is that people would look at us and say, they got an excellent spirit. They may not recognize that it's an excellent spirit, but there's something different. The reality of Jesus Christ, they walk in godly integrity, in uprightness, and are humble. And they live in godly wisdom. They recognize that. They may not understand it all. But here are these guys. They come against Daniel, and and they're jealous of Daniel. So they go to Darius, or Darius, however you want to say his name. And Darius was tricked into signing a decree that they said, hey, if anybody worships any other god other than you, Darius, and prays to any other god besides you, Darius, and they're buttering him up for 30 days, then throw him into the den of lions. And many of you, you know the story. You've known the story since you went to children's ministry. You know, you heard it in Sunday school or whatever. Your mom read it to you. And of course, Daniel, with integrity of heart, he does what he always did all of his life. He goes and he prays. He opens his window towards Jerusalem and he prays to the true God. And those guys are underneath there, you know, 
with their little cell phones taking pictures and um, saying, see, Darius, there's Daniel, that Daniel, that Daniel is specifically what the text tells us. And I can hear their voices, you know, that Daniel is praying to the God of Israel, not to you. And Darius knew he had been tricked. He couldn't change it, so they tossed him in the lines then. And you know the story how Darius was up all night looking through the books, trying to find a loophole to get Daniel out, but it was too late. And the next morning they opened up the lid to the pit where Daniel was, and Darius says, Daniel, and he says, here I am, O king. O king, live forever. And they pull him out, and what happened? It was those guys, those leaders that tricked Darius into signing that decree that were ended up being thrown into that pit. And it says before they even hit the bottom that they were chomped on by those lions. I'll tell you the truth on this. Anytime that you want to tear somebody down to try to elevate yourself, you're going to get chomped on, you're going to get bit. And we see that all throughout the scriptures. So that's why it's very important that you and I, we do what is right in the sight of God and trust him. And that's why the Lord tells you and I that vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Because we can't handle it. And the Lord, he is the one that will defend us, and he's the one that wants to work. But he's not going to work if we are doing it our way or in a sinful way. But as we do it his way, then you're going to see the hand of God working in your life. So verse 9, we continue. The hypocrite with his mouth destroys his neighbor, but through knowledge uh, the righteous will be delivered. And when it goes well with the righteous, the city rejoices. And when the wicked perish, there is jubilation. And by the blessing of the upright, the city is exalted, but it is overthrown by the mouth of the wicked. And so there is blessing when the righteous are in power. Uh, when the wicked are in power, the people suffer. And we've seen that all throughout history. We see it even in our world today, don't we? That the nations that have corrupt leadership, they suffer so much. And I think that's why most of us, if not all of us, are very concerned about this election and concerned about our future leadership, and that's why we need to be praying. We need to be praying for our leaders. We need to be praying for our nation, as here we know this to be true. And in verse 12, that he who is devoid of wisdom despises his neighbor, but a man of understanding holds his peace. So it's better to get along with neighbors or with others than to always be in conflict, to, to even hold your tongue at times. And I know that there can be those times where we can be in conflict with others. We don't want to, but it's best just to hold your tongue and not to be tearing down and escalating it and uh, the conflict or whatever it might be. So we're going to continue to see Proverbs giving us wisdom in this whole area um, about what we speak and, and how we speak to others. But in verse 13, a talebearer reveals secrets, but he who is of a faithful spirit conceals the matter. You know, be careful who you pour your, out, your heart out to. And the reason is, is because some will take it and they'll begin to gossip and they'll begin to talk about it and tell others about it. And we are wise when somebody comes, you know, and tells us something that's going on in their life or, you know, is asking for advice or just is pouring out their heart. You know, it's best to keep it to yourself. 
We live in a society where we think we need to know everybody's business. We even live, you know, where we think that, okay, Pastor Jeff, you need to know everybody's business. I don't need to know everybody's business. And if a brother and sister comes to you and talks with you and asks for prayer, you don't need to blab it to everybody. Now, there are certain instances and circumstances if somebody's in danger or there's abuse going on, yes, we want to say something. But if somebody's struggling with something or just needs prayer or just, you know, needs, you know, certain direction in an area of your life, we don't go and blab it to everybody. So be careful who it is that you're talking with, you know, that you can trust that person and there's confidence that that they're going to keep it to themselves. And then make sure that as a brother and sister comes to you that you're not a tail bearer a busybody, telling everybody else about it and making it everybody else's business. It's not a wise thing, and it's not a thing that pleases the Lord at all. And where there is no counsel, the people fall, but in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. And, of course, the implication here is that there is godly counsel. And, of course, God's word, um, it gives us counsel. Uh, He's the wonderful counselor, but there is also those godly people in our lives that we can go to that will give us godly counsel. And we want to make sure, again, that we have the confidence that they're going to give us godly counsel. Take us to God's word. That's where we really help somebody. But as I read this, uh, that I think about what happened to Rehoboam after Solomon's reign here, um, where there's no counsel, the people fall. But there's safety in the multitude of counsel, godly counsel. And you see... It is after Solomon that his son Rehoboam came on the throne, didn't he? And we know that Rehoboam, as the people came to him and said, Rehoboam, ease up on us. I mean, your father taxed us heavily, you know, took our lands, took our sons and daughters to be his servants. Can you ease up on us? And Rehoboam said, I'll come back in a couple days with an answer. And he goes to, you know, the, the older elders, those who were under Solomon. And he said, what do you guys think? And they said, listen, Rehoboam. And they gave godly counsel. They said, if you just serve the people and ease up on them, they're going to respond to you. You're going to be a good leader. And that's what their counsel was. And then he went to the, the young guys, you know, some of his young friends, and said, what do you guys think? And they said, you need to tell those people that they haven't seen anything yet, that you're really going to give it to them and, you know, press hard on them. And that's what Rehoboam decided to do. I'm going to show them who's boss. And he goes to them and he says, you know what, I'm going to tax you more. I'm going to put more burdens on you. I'm going to really show you who boss is. That's my interpretation of it. And the people said, forget you. And the ten northern tribes at that time split off from the house of Judah, and it had terrible consequences for God's people and their history for the next 500 years. We need to make sure that we receive godly counsel and there's safety in that because God's going to bless it as we take heed to it. In verse 15, as we continue on here, that he who is a surety for a stranger will suffer but one who hates being surety is secure. And so we saw this in chapter 6, warning about guaranteeing a loan to a stranger. It's, you know, I'll sign for that loan and you, you're not sure and don't know them. And, you know, I'm afraid I'm going to get burnt. And then, they, you know, you worry. And that's what chapter 6 talked about. 
So it's okay to say no if you don't have the confidence and you don't know and if you feel like that they're not going to be able to, you know, be able to, um, you know, pay you back or whatever it is. But also I think that spiritually speaking that we need to be careful as well. That as we have those who are ministering and those in leadership, I will take my time in those who will be developed in leadership and called to leadership, just confirming what God is doing and making sure that, you know, that we don't lay hands on anyone too hastily. So we want to have that confidence. We want to watch what God is doing in their lives. In verse 16 of chapter 11, we read, A gracious woman retains honor, but a ruthless man retains riches. Um, I think here of the story of 1 Samuel chapter 25, of the story of Nabal and, and Abigail. Remember, David's running. He's with his mighty men. He's running from, from Saul, and he's in that area. And there is Nabal. He has a lot of livestock. And when David w- was there with his mighty men, he was actually bringing protection for Nabal and his livestock because they were in the area. So David sends a message to Nabal. You know, Nabal, um, you know, can you, um, you know, uh, give us some, you know, a few of your livestock so I can feed my 400 mighty men. And Nabal said, no, not going to do it. And he was ruthless. And matter of fact, the scripture declares to us that he was a fool. But it was Abigail, the gracious woman that came and brought him food and said, you know, David was very upset at that time. I think he had had it with he's just running from Saul. And it's like, OK, guys, you know, strap up your swords. We're going to go get Nabal. And we're going to go after him. And here comes Abigail, his wife, a very gracious woman, and said, David, don't. And here's some food. And, of course, David calmed down, and and God dealt with Nabal. It's a very interesting story you can read about, again, in 1 Samuel chapter 25. That's what it reminds me of here. A gracious woman retains honor, but a ruthless man retains riches. And a merciful man does good for his own soul, but he who is cruel troubles his own flesh. And the wicked man does deceptive work, but he who sows righteousness will have a sure reward. And then we continue in verse 19, as righteousness leads to life, so he who pursues evil pursues it to his own death. And those who are a perverse heart are an abomination to the Lord, but the blameless in their ways are his delight. And though they join forces, the wicked will not go unpunished, but the posterity of the righteous will be delivered. So you see, Again, that, that distinction between the righteous and the wicked. And don't get carried away with wickedness. It's bad news, and it's going to be a bad ending. Uh, contrast that with the blessings and benefits of being righteous. But in verse 20 there, but the blameless in their ways are his delight. When we read that word blameless, remember that it is the qualifications of an overseer in First Timothy chapter 3 is to be blameless. Now, when I read that at first, I thought, well, I can sit down. I think any of us can sit down. But I come to realize that blameless doesn't mean perfection. It doesn't mean that we're going to be perfect. But blameless means this, that what I hope for you and for me is that people can't look at us and say, you know what? There's carnality in your life. There's sin in your life in how you act and how you speak and your behavior, your conduct, uh, the words that you say, your faith, your purity. You call yourself a Christian? 
You see, you and I, as we live blameless, that is, there's no obvious, you know, action or way of our life that people can point at and say, man, what comes out of your mouth? And you call yourself a Christian. There's a leader in the area. I'm not going to say who it is, but he's a leader. And, and um, I've heard he's a Christian. And I actually, a couple months ago, talked to him for the very first time. The four-letter words that came out of his mouth. He knew I was a pastor. Didn't phase him. Didn't blink an eye. I thought, wow. It's amazing. And you're known as a Christian? That people can't look at you and I and say, <laughs> why should I be a Christian? You know, you go out and party. You're living with your boyfriend, girlfriend. You're, you're doing these things. You're no different than me. And again, it isn't that we live in a haughty, arrogant kind of way, but humbly that people can look at us and say, there is something real in you and different about you in your behavior and in your speech and in your conduct because we're desiring to be blameless that people can't point a finger at us and say boy I don't know you claim to be a Christian so that's my prayer for us is that that we would live lives in godly wisdom and in a godly way the blameless in their ways are his delight in verse 22 that a ring of gold in a swine's snouts, so is a lovely woman who lacks discretion. <laughs> I love this poetic language here. <laughs> so what does it mean here? A, a ring of gold in a swine's snout. You know, a pig's nose. Don't picture, you know, this you know, pig that's dressed up and got a bow around it and got a golden ring in his snout. That's not the picture here. The Jewish reader reading this, swine pigs were considered unclean. So picture, you know, it in the mud and eating slop and all of this. And, and to have a gold ring, it, it doesn't, doesn't fit, does it? And he's using the poetic language. He, he, he's not trying to put down women here, but in this poetic language for any of us, to be considered lovely, to be considered different if we lack discretion, if we're not discreet. In other words, being discreet means that you're, you're being careful and wise in your actions and in your words. And may we be discreet in what we say, in what we do, and how we behave. So as we do, people are going to say, man, that's a, you know, that's a good man, good woman, a lovely lady. You know, good man, that's something different about them. And it's the reality of Jesus in our lives. And desire, verse 23, the righteous is only good, but the expectation of the wicked is wrath. And there's one who scatters yet increases more, and there's one who withholds more than is right, but it leads to poverty. This we see here, you know, we can't outgive God. And the Lord doesn't want us to be greedy uh, and Verse 25, the generous soul will be made rich, but he who waters will also be watered himself. And the people will curse him who withhold grain, but blessing will be on the head of him who sells it. We don't want to be greedy. We want to be giving. Be giving to the Lord. 
We don't talk a whole lot about giving here at Calvary Chapel. And one of the reasons is, is because I want you to be able to give freely and willingly. That's why we have the boxes in the back. But we need to give to the Lord. Because he gave us the very best, his son, Jesus, who went to the cross and died on Calvary's cross for you and for me. He gave his life for us. How can we not give to him? And how can we not give to other brothers and sisters? And it's true what we talked about on Sunday. It's more blessed to to give than it is to receive. And to give to others, it's health to our souls and it's health to us. And we will be watered is what it says. You're going to be refreshed and renewed. But when we begin to just hang on to things real tight and that's mine, that begins to just bring rottenness to our souls. And that's what Proverbs is going to continue to declare as we go through it. But in verse 28, he who trusts in his riches will fall, but the righteous will flourish like foliage. So it's not the riches that are going to get us uh, into heaven. We, we can't trust in our riches because the riches can go away, right? I mean, they can be a blessing, but when it comes to eternal blessings, we trust in the Lord. And we always trust in him, in the blessings that he has for us. But the riches, they'll come to an end. And, and the riches isn't going to get us into heaven. It's faith in Jesus Christ. And he who troubles his own house will inherit the wind. And the fool will be a servant to the wise of heart. So don't trouble um, your own house. Um, don't trouble your house with foolishness. Greediness with, you know, so much of the world that's there evil. And there are many homes where the home is troubled. And there are so many problems because people aren't taking heed to the word of God. They don't know the Lord. They're not walking in true wisdom. And as you and I are living in godly wisdom and desiring to apply it in our lives and live for him, there's going to be safety and security in our homes. There's going to be peace that is there. And I pray for all of our homes. And I know we face different challenges and difficulties, and and we have different situations, but as much as possible, make sure that you are honoring the Lord in your home. And as you do, there's going to be real peace that's there. And there's going to be real safety, and, and there's going to be real blessing that's going to be there. Because you desire to have your home be a place where the Lord is honored. And then in verse 30, the fruit of the righteous um, is a tree of life, and he who wins souls is wise. Remember that, he who wins souls is wise. I want to win souls for Jesus Christ. That's wisdom. And I know that you do as well, telling people about the goodness of the Lord. And then if righteousness, uh, righteous will be recompensed on the earth, how much more the ungodly and the sinner. Now, verse 31 is a difficult verse. And, and different commentators not sure what Solomon is saying here. So I'm going to explain it the best way that, that I think maybe perhaps what Solomon is saying. If the righteous will be recompensed on the earth, or it might be translated rewarded, how much more the ungodly and the sinner. So it sounds like you'll be rewarded, you're going to be blessed and benefited in being a Christian here on the earth, but how much more 
if you do, you know, wickedly. That doesn't make sense, does it? But here's the thing. Peter talks about in his epistle, in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 18, that you and I, that we will suffer in this world. And he talks about the recompense of, of our reward. In other words, rewards doesn't always mean in the positive. Here's the best that I can explain it. That there is blessing and benefit of being a Christian. But also being a Christian can bring persecution, can it? It can bring difficulty. We lose friends. We can lose family members, relationships with them. And, and that's the reward that will come. Sometimes people say it's hard being a Christian. I understand what they're saying. It's hard being a Christian because of lost relationships, because of you know people coming down on you. You're not going to get that promotion at work. It, it, there are certain things that that we go through difficulties because we are a Christian, but I'll tell you something that is a lot more harder, and I think that's what Solomon is saying is not being a Christian. The negative rewards are a lot worse because those who aren't Christians, who don't have godly wisdom, they don't have any peace, they don't have any direction and where to go in a certain circumstance or situation. All they have is the world's wisdom. And of course, Paul would write in Colossians chapter 2 after he tells us that in him Christ has hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge that don't be cheated by the philosophy of man and traditions of man and that which is not according to Christ. Don't be cheated. And, and the people of the world that are going the world's way, that don't have godly wisdom, it's a lot harder for them because they don't have the strength of the Lord. They don't have the peace of the Lord. They don't have the comfort of the Lord. So yes, it can be hard being a Christian. But I think it's be much harder by not being a Christian. I can't imagine what my life would be like if I wasn't a Christian. If I was just totally into the world. I don't know if I'd even be alive. Just the, the junk and, and all the stuff you're involved with. and uh, The rewards are much worse. So that's how I see this verse. You might see it differently, and that's fine. But the righteous will be recompensed on the earth, but how much more the ungodly and the sinner. And whoever loves instruction loves knowledge, but he who hates correction is stupid. That's pretty self-explanatory. I don't think I need to go into that anymore. So being prideful is, brings shame, but also you know, being prideful is being stupid. You don't want instruction. You know, you don't want correction. That's being prideful. And a good man, verse 2, obtains favor from the Lord, and a man of wicked intentions he will condemn. And so, you know, keep your roots in Christ. Verse 3, a man is not established by wickedness, but the root of righteous cannot be moved. Uh, A.W. Tozer wrote a book, um, uh, and I have to see uh, if it's in a bookstore, um, but The Root of Righteousness, A.W. Tozer, it's a very good book. And just encouraging to live in righteousness. And the root of righteousness, you'll be established. So be rooted in Christ. You'll be established. And we see the psalmist that says this, we walk not in the counsel of the ungodly, but walk in godly wisdom, that you're going to be like the tree that's planted, rooted by the streams, refreshed and, and renewed. So there's stability uh, being established is going to be one. 
who is in God's word and living it out in his life. Ahaz, these two guys that are threatening you, Pekah and Reason of Syria and of the ten northern tribes of Israel that are wanting to kill you, it's not going to happen. It's not going to take place. Ahaz was fret, fretting because these two kings up north wanted to kill him and put their own king on so they could, Judah and Israel and Syria can align and try to stop the mighty Assyrians. And so Ahaz, he didn't believe Isaiah given that word there in those chapters, in chapter 7 of the book of Isaiah. So he says, Ahaz, you know, believe the word of the God or you won't be established. Go ahead, ask for a sign, Ahaz. Ask it in the heavens, ask it on the earth. And Ahaz said, I won't trouble my Lord. He didn't say that because he was being humble. He was saying that because his heart wasn't right with the Lord. Ahaz was one of the worst kings that Judah ever had. I'm not going to go to the Lord. He didn't trust in the Lord. And it was Isaiah that said, because you do not believe the word of the Lord given to you, you will not be established. So the Lord's going to give you a word anyway. And he gives that famous verse there, Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and his name shall be called Emmanuel. It is Paul the Apostle later on that when he went to Corinth and revival broke out, he was afraid. And the Lord came to him and said, that Paul, you don't have to be afraid. No one's going to hurt you. And I'm with you. And there are many people that I have in this city. And it tells us that Paul was established. He was established at that time and was able to continue in the city of Corinth for a year and a half because he believed in the promise of the Lord and the presence of the Lord. And as we believe in him, and as we believe in his word given to to us, that we're going to be established. But if we don't, we're going to be like Ahaz, running around trying to figure out his own plan, trying to do his own thing. And the Lord is saying, listen, my word is true. My promises, you'll see I'll be faithful. You can trust in me. And as you do, you'll be established. Well, listen there tonight. And we'll pick it up here at verse 4 next time. So, Lord, we thank you that we could go through these verses, these Proverbs, and learn from them. There's so much there. We could take a verse and spend all night talking about it. But Lord, I do pray that tonight that we would have hearts, all of us, that are teachable all the time, uprightness of heart and integrity of heart whenever we come to God's Word, to your wisdom, that we would know it. And Father, that we would desire to, to walk in that wisdom. So, Father, take these things that we learn. Help us to apply it in our conduct, in our words that we speak, in our behavior. When it comes to love, when it comes to purity. Lord, that we may walk in your ways and be established. And, Lord, be blessed and benefited. I thank you that we are here. And I just pray that we would know that you want the very best for us. That we can trust your word and then rest in your word. We can trust in what you're doing in our lives and then rest in you because you love us. 
You promised you'd never leave us or forsake us. So, Lord, we thank you. And, Father, I pray that we would go home just with a heart that, that says, Lord, I want to be humbled before you. I want to be soft before you. Thank you. Thank you for tonight. Thank you for your word. And Lord, I know that Jesus is wisdom, that in him is hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, to know you more, to walk in your ways, to be yielded to you. So Father, thank you for tonight. I pray that you bless everyone that's here tonight, that we would leave here with gladness of heart, take everyone home safely, bless our week coming up. And Lord, as we talk with people, we face different challenges and circumstances. Lord, may we look to you for direction, for guidance in everything. So Lord, thank you. And Lord, we thank you that we can be here as a family to encourage one another and bless one another. And Lord, we just leave here with hearts of gratitude. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you please stand?